Chapter 2, Part 2 of Sin and Its Consequences by Henry Edward Manning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 2, Mortal Sin, Part 2. Number 3, The Third Effect is Even More Terrible it mortifies and kills the very power of serving god all the actions of a man in a state of mortal sin are dead they have no merit or power to prevail before god for his salvation so long as he is separated from god nothing he does has saving power just as a tree that has life bears living fruit a tree that is dead as nothing but fruit that is withered and dead likewise so a soul that is planted in god as we all are by baptism strikes its root as the tree by the rivers of water and increases continually in faith hope and charity and in the seven gifts of the holy ghost which expand themselves like the leaves upon the branch and the twelve fruits of the holy ghost unfold themselves and ripen on the other hand a soul that is separated from god is like the tree that is cut asunder at the root and as the severed tree withers from the topmost spray and every fruit upon it dies so the soul in the state of mortal sin of whatsoever kind so long as it remains in that state is separated from god and can bear no fruit unto salvation the apostle has declared this in the most express words though i speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not charity i become as sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal and if i have all prophecy and all knowledge and can understand all mysteries and though i have faith and could remove mountains and have not charity i am nothing and though i give my goods to feed the poor and my body to be burned and have not charity it profiteth me nothing one corinthians thirteen verses one through three that is to say a soul separated from god not having the love of god it matters not what that soul may know it may be able to prophesy to expound mysteries to work miracles it may give all its possessions to the poor in alms it may be martyred as men may think and yet if it have not the love of god it profits nothing to salvation there will be at the last day those who will come to our divine lord and say lord lord we prophesied in thy name we cast out devils and did many mighty works in thy name we have eaten and drunk in thy presence and he will say unto them depart from me i never knew you matthew chapter seven verse twenty two that is to say a soul that has sinned unto death by one sin one transgression continuing in that state until restored to union with god by charity and by grace is dead before god and all the actions of the soul are dead those who are in such a condition 
are like men looking up to a high mountain on which the sun dwells perpetually in its splendor and there is a glory as of the heavenly city upon it and they look long to climb up to it but before them there is the breast of a precipice which no human foot can scale and they pine away with longing and with the impossibility of ascending or they are like men gazing upon a fair country the promised land of vineyards and olive-yards and fig-trees and rivers flowing with milk and honey and homes of peace are before them but at their feet there is a river so deep and rapid without ferry and without ford which the mightiest swimmer cannot pass so it is with sinners the law of god stands between the soul that is cut off from him between the soul that is out of grace and the peace of god number four and not this only the soul in itself begins to lose its vigor and its strength as i said before every creature needs the help of nature and of grace and the supernatural gifts of god faith hope and charity are by a mortal sin either entirely destroyed or weakened charity is utterly destroyed hope remains and faith remains but hope begins to grow faint for a man conscious of having sinned mortally against god cannot deceive himself with the hope of salvation unless he has grounds for hope and what grounds can an impenitent sinner have the faith that remains in him what does it show to him the great white throne the smoke that ascendeth up before the seat of judgment the law of god written in letters of fire there is no peace saith my god for the wicked isaiah chapter forty eight verse twenty two and without holiness no man shall see the lord hebrews chapter twelve verse fourteen faith shows him judgment to come and the witnesses that will stand before the throne on that day and bear testimony against him and therefore the faith that remains in him is a terrible light warning him and piercing his conscience so far the supernatural grace that is still with him is goading him with fear to bring him back to god more than this it cannot do the natural powers of the soul are also affected when a man is in a state of sin the heart becomes corrupt the soul becomes weak let me take what may seem to be an example not fitting for you you who listen to me are not likely to be tempted to excess or intoxication but it is an apt example to illustrate every kind of sin the man who indulges himself in drink loses the vigor and command of his will the will becomes feeble and loses its imperious control it can no longer command the man it is like a rotten helm which the ship will not obey the will itself becomes paralyzed there is a solvent which has been eating away its elasticity and its power and what happens in this gross example happens in every other 
I might take falsehood, sloth, or other sins I named before, but you must make application for yourselves. The very will loses its power of repenting. Aye, and there is a still more terrible thought than this. Sometimes the sins that men have committed long ago are the cause of their instability, their inconsistency, their wavering, and irresolution at this day. They have never yet returned to God. They have never yet been really restored to the grace of God and vitally united to Him. They carry within them that which we read of in the book of Job, where it says, His bones are full of the vices of His youth, and they shall go down with Him to His grave. Job chapter 20, verse 11 number five lastly there is another effect of the sin unto death that is that it brings a man into a double debt before god it brings him into the debt of guilt and into the debt of pain and he will have to pay both the debt of guilt he must answer at the day of judgment the debt of pain he must suffer before he can see god either here or after death in the state of purification, or in hell to all eternity. Every substance in this world has its shadow. You cannot separate the shadow from the substance. Where the substance moves, the shadow follows. So every sin has its pain. It matters not whether we think of it or no, whether we believe it or no. So it is. God has ordained it from the day in which he said, In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt die the death. From that day onward, no sin has ever been committed that has not been followed by its measure of judicial pain. It must be some day expiated, either by bearing it here or bearing it hereafter or by a loving sorrow prevailing with God through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, to wash out from the book of his remembrance the great debt of accumulated sin. I will not go further into these effects. I will only sum up what I have said. First of all, one mortal sin unto death strikes a soul dead. Secondly, one such sin when the soul is struck dead destroys all the merits of a long life be they what they may hereafter i will show how they may all revive again like the spring after the winter time but this not for the present thirdly one such sin unto death mortifies kills and destroys the saving power of every action that the soul may do while in that state of separation from god Fourthly, it weakens both the supernatural graces that remain in the soul and the natural powers and faculties of the soul itself. Lastly, it brings the soul into the double debt of guilt and pain. These are the five effects of a sin unto death. I have but a few words of counsel to add. The first is this. Meditate every day of your lives upon this great and awful truth, how easy it is to fall from God, 
and say to yourselves god is my end for him i was created if i fall short of that end by a hair's breadth if i swerve aside from attaining that end i shall go down into eternal death an arrow shot at a mark a hair's breadth aside from its aim fails to attain it a ship steered by a confident and cunning hand if it miss the light is wrecked be it never so near the port and a soul that does not attain to union with god here in a state of grace will be separated from god to all eternity next say to yourselves if i do not correspond with the grace which god has given me i shall miss my eternal end as i have before said god is cooperating with every creature the drawing of his holy spirit and the gifts of his grace are like a chain of gold drawing every created soul to himself god wills all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth and again our divine lord has said and i if i be lifted up from the earth will draw all things unto me god is drawing every created soul to himself he is drawing them to the knowledge of himself and of his incarnate son and of the precious blood shed on the cross from the sacred heart of jesus and the graces and the love and the breathings of the holy ghost are perpetually going out and drawing souls to himself and to the unity of the church god is always drawing souls to repentance and through repentance to perfection and from one degree of perfection to another raising them higher and higher to union with himself this is always going on but we must correspond with it listen to him respond answer lay hold of that grace which is offered to you keep fast the links of that golden chain never let it go and take heed lest you break its links we often think if a soul that is already in eternal death could once more return what would be the fervor of such a man through all the time granted him on earth what humility what hatred of sin what holy fear of its occasions what piety what self-denial what self-sacrifice would mark a soul that once had tasted eternal death if it could return and have one more opportunity of salvation what a life of the cross and of intense devotion to god that soul would live you have never yet gone down into eternal death you have been the subject of a greater grace than even if you had been liberated you are still in life still surrounded by the light of truth you have yet the graces of the holy ghost in abundance you have time you have opportunity you have the seven sacraments you have the holy sacrament of the altar the precious blood of jesus christ all that is needful for eternal life and that in abundance without stint and without measure 
you are like the prodigal son before he left his father's house you have not yet tasted that far country and the misery and condemnation of falling from god therefore say to yourselves god be praised i am still in life and my day of grace is not gone by the sun is yet in the heavens with some it is in the morning still with others it is the noontide and with some who hear me it is declining towards the horizon say lord abide with us for it is towards evening and the day is far spent give me grace to make my peace with thee that i may be united with thee lest thou find me parted from thee in the day of thy coming this then is the first thought i would pray you with all my heart to make day after day and the other is like unto it but it is more terrible day after day say this to yourselves if i fall from god as i easily may i shall go down alive into hell dear brethren we live in days when men must speak plainly there are among us going to and fro as there are in foreign countries mockers scoffers blasphemers ministers of satan apostles of lies who say there is no hell eternal punishment medieval fables popish superstition true it is that the church which is called popish inflexibly maintains that there is a hell that there is an eternal punishment and that they who live and die impenitent will go down quick into that torment it is a glory that such a charge is laid against the church of rome i accept the accusation and as a minister of jesus christ and as an apostle of his gospel i declare that god has revealed that there is hereafter eternal pain and everlasting death as there is a heaven so there is a hell as there is eternal life so there is eternal death be on your guard then dear brethren be not so shallow or so credulous let no impostors who pretend to philosophy and to criticism lead you for one moment to believe that the existence of hell and eternal punishment is by an arbitrary law by a mere act of divine legislation like a statute made by despotic power eternal death is an intrinsic necessity of the perfection of god and of the willful apostasy of man if there be a god who is holy just pure true and unchangeable then if man is impure unjust unholy and false and will not change by repentance as light and darkness cannot exist together god and that soul cannot unite in eternity it is not a statute law it is an intrinsic necessity of the divine perfection on the one hand and of the sinfulness of the human soul upon the other why is the human soul unholy and unjust by the abuse of the free will which god has given us as i said in the beginning by the open-eyed transgression of god's law by the deliberate breaking of his commandments 
by the impenitent persevering in that state of disobedience and of separation from god which in itself is death which is eternal death in time which is hell upon earth except the soul repent it already begins to taste the condemnation of eternity therefore bear in mind that the holiness of god and the sinfulness of man are enough clearly to demonstrate the intrinsic necessity of an eternal separation and what is hell but to be separated from god eternally and to be separated from god not as we are here with our souls clogged and stupefied by sin intoxicated by the world ignorant of ourselves no after death the eyes of the soul will be opened the scales will fall from its sight it will see itself for the first time as it will for the first time see god in judgment and when it shall see god in judgment all that instinct of the soul in which it was from the beginning created for god an instinct like the needle of the compass which points by its own law always to the north as in the blaze of the noonday so in the darkness of the midnight will return to its direction the lost soul that was created in the image of god of which the beatific end is god and to be united with god is life will then begin to hunger and thirst after god when to be united with god is impossible forever just as breathing is a vital necessity to the body so union with god is a vital necessity to the soul you know sometimes in sleep a sense of stifling and suffocation in which you seem to lie an endless night in torment conceive to yourselves an eternity of that suffocation when the soul is conscious of the vital necessity of its union with god when to be united with god is eternally impossible ay more than this there will be a torment in the soul which is the undying worm that will gnaw to all eternity what is that torment remorse the consciousness that the soul has committed self-murder that it died because it sinned unto death and that it sinned unto death of its own free will there was no constraint no necessity with its own free will it sinned against god and broke the link of union with him in eternal death the worm that dieth not the perpetual tooth of remorse will make the soul conscious of an anguish which no human heart can conceive there is no need of fire to torment this alone is torment enough to lose god eternally to have eternal remorse without anything more is hell but there will be more those who are lost will be lost together multitudes myriads of millions all in misery all separated from god all in remorse all feeding on themselves hateful and hating one another i have not said one word as yet of that which i now will add it is true there is a divine mystery which we shall know 
God grant not by experience. Our divine Lord has said it, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And again, go ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. There is an eternal pain by fire. God has declared it. Woe to the man that denies it. Satan is always endeavoring to efface this belief out of the minds of men, doing everything he can by subtle philosophy, by specious reasoning, by appeals to the mercy of God, by wonderful exaltations of the divine perfections, and criticisms upon the Greek Testament, by laughter, derision, scoffing, and mockery, before which many a man who is not afraid of going into battle is coward enough to run away. Satan is always endeavoring to root out the belief of eternal fire from the minds of men. I will tell you why. Because the greater multitude of men have so little hunger and thirst after God, so little aspiration after union with him, that they are conscious only of the fear of an eternal pain to keep them from sin. If he could only efface from the minds of men the thought of eternal pain, there is nothing left to restrain them, and for this he is always laboring. There is nothing Satan loves better than to get men to laugh at him, to use his name in jest, to interlard their conversation with some reference to him in mocking levity, which very soon makes men cease to fear him, and then cease to believe in his existence. On the other hand, God is always striving to awaken and revive in the conscience of each one of us the sense of the danger of eternal death by his divine word, by the voice of his church, by the whispers of conscience. He is perpetually reviving in every one of us the sense and belief that there is hereafter a judgment and a condemnation to eternal fire. Live then as you would wish to die, because as you die, so you will be to all eternity. Precisely that character which you have woven for yourself through life by the voluntary acts of your free will, be it for good or be it for evil, that will be your eternal state before God. If God finds you clothed in the white raiment which is the justice of the saints, happy are you. You will walk before him in white forever. If you be found in the rags and tatters of the prodigal before his repentance, you will be cast out from his face, and all men will see your shame. As you live, so you will die. As you die, so you will be forever. God is unchangeable. You are continually changing, but death will precipitate the form in which you die, and you will be so fixed forever. As the tree falls, so it shall be. Make one mistake, and that mistake is made forever. O oh, dear brethren, look around about us. How many men there are that are learned and scientific and noble and eloquent and prosperous, whom the world honors. How many there are that are amiable and loving and loved, and their neighbors think no evil of them. 
they see nothing but the fair outside the whited disguise some one mortal sin god knows what unrepented of is within whited sepulchres fair without within full of dead men's bones and of uncleanness dear brethren that may be our case say to yourselves every one of you that may be my case that may be my likeness before god at this moment it is appointed unto all men once to die and after that the judgment hebrews chapter nine verse twenty seven and hear what that judgment will be i saw a great white throne and one sitting on it before whose face the heaven and earth fled away and there was no place found for them and i saw the dead small and great stand before god and the books were opened and the dead were judged out of the things that are written in the books and another book was opened which was the book of life and death and hell were cast into the pool of fire which is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the pool of fire apocalypse chapter twenty verses eleven through fifteen end of chapter two part two